Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. So recently I was having some work done on my house. We were redoing some of the brick on our outside chimney. And a friend of mine who's a brick mason, he came over to the house to look at the project, and he's been a part of his craft for 40 years. And as he walked up to my house, he said, oh, I I can tell how these bricks were made because of the coloration and the discoloration and the fact that some were more burned than others. He said, I can tell that they were fired in a rotary kiln. And that technology was used well over 100 years ago, which means, given the age of your home, these bricks were probably originally a part of another building, and they were reclaimed to build your house. I loved that idea. I was enthralled by what he was telling me, because I love things that have age. I love things that have experience. I love things that are antique and ancient. For me, they just seem to capture a bit of the history of human experience. So we're talking about prayer, and in fact, today we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. Nine times in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is seen to be praying by His disciples. Now, they saw Him pray more than nine times, but on nine occasions, Jesus is recorded praying, and His disciples were watching Him, and they saw the fruit of Jesus' prayer life, that when Jesus was exhausted, He would go to the Father in prayer, and He would be strengthened. That when Jesus had all kinds of expectations bearing down on him, he could go to the Father and get clarity. So they saw the fruit of Jesus' prayer life. He saw, they saw, that when he went to the Father, he was turning his need Godward, right? So in light of that, in Luke chapter 11, it starts by saying after Jesus was praying in a certain place, his disciples asked him, would you teach us to pray the same way that John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. Teach us to pray. As I read that question at the beginning of Luke chapter 11, I'm reminded that sometimes we think we're praying, but we're not. We might be going through the motions, but our mind and our heart's really not into it. Sometimes we think we're praying and we're not. Sometimes we don't know that we're praying, but we really are. And here the disciples, by asking Jesus this question, they are already praying. Lord, they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Last week, I invited you to to just start praying some questions. God, where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to see? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to pray? Could I encourage you maybe to pray a different way this week, and that just to ask that one question, Lord, would you teach me how to pray? That in itself is a beginning point of encountering prayer itself. And what follows, Jesus gives what's called the Lord's Prayer. Really, it's more the believer's prayer, and we're going to look at it here in just a moment. But what Jesus does is He gives us the basic building blocks of prayer. You wondered where I was going with that opening illustration, didn't you? Here here it is. That that each one of these elements, each one of these building blocks of prayer is fired in the mind and in the heart of Jesus. 
and we can claim these for ourselves. And as we understand these building blocks of prayer, we can build for ourselves a place where prayer feels like home, that we are at home with prayer, and prayer is at home with us. Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said this, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, if it seems like some words are missing here, Matthew 6 records a longer version of this prayer, but it's not about the words themselves. It's about these basic elements of prayer that we can build our own prayer life from. And I'm going to point out three, really four of those elements here in just a moment. But what I want to make as a main point today is simply this. Let your need allow your prayer to become natural. I think we struggle with prayer because often it's so stilted and wooden and we feel awkward. Just let your need make prayer natural. Okay, so, so Jesus starts with this one word, Father. Let me encourage you when you pray, talk to God as your Father. And that carries so much weight, that carries so much meaning with it. But in the ancient world, in a patriarchal culture, and by the way, this is about to rub up against some of our modern sensibilities. You can choose to be offended here in the next few moments, or you can just learn. So when Jesus says, Father, in the ancient world, the Father was the final authority of the family. Now, I think kids need both a mom and a dad. Now, if you're a single parent today, I know you're grieving, and you, I grieve with you. What do you do if you're a single parent? Well, you do the best you can, and you trust God to make up the rest, right? So uh, I think a child, though, does need a mother and father. They need the tenderness of a mother, and they need the authority of a father because when, as children, we do not have the authority of a father, it's so easy for us to lose our way. I was talking recently with a friend. Uh, he's a chaplain in Texas. And they work in prisons all over the state of Texas, and, and they did something really cool for Mother's Day. They, they got as many Mother's Day cards as they could get, and they made them available to prisoners, and they used every Mother's Day card they could get their hands on. In fact, they needed more. They weren't able to keep up with the demand. Having had that incredible experience with Mother's Day cards, um, the prison chaplain then tried to do the same thing with Father's Days, Father's Day cards get as many cards as they can so for prisoners to send to their fathers. You know what? They only used about 5% of the cards that were available. These prisoners, they had a lot of mamas who loved them, but not a lot of dads who were the authority over their lives as they were growing up, at least dads that they could respect. We need somebody to have the authority over our lives. When we don't, it's so easy to lose our way. So as we talk about let your need make prayer natural, you know what we really need? We need a father. We need a father to have the final say, the final authority over our lives. Because right now, this is important for Christians. We need to decide, is culture going to be our Lord or is Christ going to be our Lord? Who's going to be the final authority of who we are and who we're becoming? We need a father. Okay. Now, beyond that word, when I see in that word, the prayer fans out into a couple of different directions, okay? Present, past, and future. 
And I want to be very careful about dissecting this prayer. If you remember being in, you know, science lab in high school, you could only dissect something that was dead. This is a living prayer, okay? I don't want to dissect it, but I want to see the major movements in this. Father, give us today our daily bread. Uh, by the way, I just want to quote one little poem here that I, I recently came across. Wendell Berry um, kind of rephrases this. Oh, Lord, make us able to eat all that's on this table. And if there's something we ain't got, bring it to us while it's hot. I like that. That's a good prayer before a, a meal. Give us today our daily bread. This has overtones of the Exodus. That is, the children of Israel moved out of slavery into the desert. Every day God would provide manna. He wouldn't provide enough for two days from now, two weeks from now. He provided exactly what was needed every single day. And there's something about learning to trust God daily that deepens our relationship with Him. So, allow your needs to make your prayer natural. Pray for your present needs. Whatever you need today, just ask God and ask Him to give it to you and ask Him to give it to you freely. Ask God for what you need right now. And could I encourage you, get past all the flowery language of prayer. You know, again, sometimes we think we're praying, we're not. We go, God bless so-and-so and bless so-and-so and bless so-and-so. And, and we kind of get lost. We lose our way in prayer. I was reading this week. There's an old silent movie of 1924. It's called Three Weeks. Uh, it stars Conrad Nagel. And there's one scene, again, it's a silent movie. Conrad Nagel picks up his female love interest and is carrying her into another room. And as she is picked up, she says something. Of course, it cuts to a slide, and it's words of love, and I love you so much, I'll love you forever. But people who read lips actually have read the lips of this young lady when she spoke to Conrad Nagel, and she said, quote, if you drop me, you expletive, I will break your neck, right? So here, she said something. Her, her expression was different than actually the words coming out of her mouth. Sometimes we pray words we don't mean, that we don't need. Pray your present needs. Let your needs make your prayer natural. If you have a broken heart, a broken relationship, a broken leg, if you're broke, if you see the world is broken, pray those daily needs. Let me also give you this. You've heard that little illustration before, you know, if your house was on fire and you could take anything out of your house, what would you take? Here's a different way to answer that. Next time somebody asks you that, say, I can take anything out of the house? Yes, anything out of the house. Then I would take the fire out of the house. If you take the fire out of the house, everything is safe. Pray for your daily needs. Pray for what's going on right now. Pray your present needs and let your needs make your prayer natural. Give us today our daily bread. Pray your present needs. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Here we're praying over the needs from our past. You know, when it boils right down to it, there are two kinds of people in the world people who admit they're sinners and those who won't admit that they're sinners. As followers of Jesus, we should fall into that first category, that we are people who openly and regularly admit that we are sinners. 
And so if there's something you feel guilty over, let your need make your prayer natural and pray your guilt before God and ask for His forgiveness. Now here I think it's important to distinguish between guilt and shame. Guilt is when we've done something in the past and we take responsibility for it. That's guilt. Shame is when we've done something in the past and it becomes our identity, that it defines us. Listen, as followers of Jesus, it is a healthy thing to experience guilt. It tells us something's wrong, something needs to change. But it's not healthy to embrace a life of shame. We are not defined by sin. We are defined by Christ. And so what happens when you have a guilt, you pray, you ask God to forgive, and it's settled, it's done, but a couple of days later, it comes to mind again. Let me encourage you to embrace it and turn that leftover guilt into an opportunity of thanksgiving. Because I've done this before. I have something that I have done wrong. I feel guilty about it. I repent. I trust that God has forgiven me. But a couple of weeks and even a couple of years later, it comes back to mind again. I use it as an opportunity for thankfulness. It's a reminder that I'm not perfect. Because if I were perfect, I wouldn't need God. So I'm not perfect. I need God. And God is perfect. He has forgiven me, and I get to re-remember that He has indeed forgiven me. So all that kind of residual guilt, it's this reminder, I'm not perfect, but God is. So what do we do? We let our need make our prayers natural, right? Our present need, the needs of our past. Uh, by the way, this is a caveat that Jesus makes in this prayer. <clears throat> in Matthew, He would expel, expand on this just a bit. Uh, God won't forgive us if we don't forgive other people. I think that's very important. I've actually had Christians say this to me. I will never forgive so-and-so. Those are words that should never fall from a Christian's lips. That says something about the state of our heart. If we refuse to forgive others, it's not that God won't forgive us. It's not that God doesn't want to forgive us. It's that He can't forgive us. We literally have shut off the access of forgiveness flowing into and out of our lives if we say we're not going to forgive someone else, right? Forgiveness. So let need make prayer natural. By the way, if you have trouble forgiving somebody, that's what you should be talking to God about. Talk to Him about that, right? Let your need make prayer natural. So there's the present need, give us today our daily bread. There's our past need. Uh, forgive us our sins. And then there's the future need. You know, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into trial. Uh, God knows how much we can take. And so when you pray this, you're saying, God, please don't let me get in over my head. Uh, and this is one of those prayers as we let need make prayer natural. If we feel like we're in a situation that we are getting over our head, it's a prayer to pray right there in the moment. I'm an old Star Trek fan, not the original series, Next Generation, that was on in the 80s and 90s. And there's one line that Captain Picard used. Uh, by the way, he made bald beautiful. I'm forever grateful. There's one line that Captain Picard would use several times in the series when I remember once he was in a shuttlecraft and it was spinning out of control. It was about to explode. He knew it was about to explode. So he calls the Enterprise for a beam out. O'Brien's tr having trouble locking on. Can, can you tell? I've watched a lot of Star Trek. O'Brien has trouble locking on. Captain, I can't get your signal. 
And as that moment of death is right there, Picard says, Chief O'Brien, now would be a good time. And he's, of course, he's beamed out, he's saved, right? That's what we pray to God. God, I'm getting it over my head. Now would be a really good time for you to show me a way out. And even if I can't see the way out, would you get me out of this situation? Let your need make your prayer natural to pray God for your present needs, past needs, future needs. Now, I want to go beyond Jesus' model prayer for just a moment because he says something here that I think is important for us to, to understand. Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. Now, notice what happens. He changes from Father in heaven to a friend and he kind of changes the, the storyline here just a little bit. So say you have a friend, you go to him at midnight and say, friend, I need three loaves of bread. Friend of mine on a journey, he's shown up late, I have no food to offer him. And suppose your friend on the inside, he answers, don't bother me. The door's locked, my children are in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, your persistent asking, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Jesus is giving a parable here by contrast. God is not our friend, right? He's our Father. And God wants to give us what we need because of that relationship. But even then, we're encouraged to have a shameless audacity to let our needs Make our prayer natural. So Sunday night, I received a call from one of my staff members rather late, and, and no good phone call is made late in the evening, right? You know it's bad news. And I was away from my phone. I didn't get the message until about 11 o'clock. And by that time, I texted the staff member. I said, you still up? I didn't get a reply. So I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what was going to be wrong until the next morning. So now what happens? All these scenarios stop, start going through your mind. And they do for me. I'm sure they do for you as well. We've all had this experience. So I knew I was teaching this message, and I thought, okay, I'm supposed to let need make my prayer natural, but I don't even know what I need right now. Well, that was the need. God, I don't know what I need. And I can sit here and spin all these scenarios and I came up with three or four really good ones. I mean, they were doozies, right? I caught myself going, you know, if I can imagine it, that probably isn't it at all. And right, it was something that I did not anticipate, something I could not have foreseen coming. And by the way, everything worked out fine. But that night, I didn't even know what I needed. That's what I needed, to trust God even when I didn't know the results. Let need make your prayers natural. Get down to it. Ask Jesus, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to take the needs that are going to come at me all day, every day, and just turn them back to you. I'm inviting you to a conversational relationship with Father. So last story, during the English Civil War in the 1650s, one of the royalists was held as a prisoner in Colchester Castle. His name was Sir John Trevanian. I've never heard of him before. I don't know that you have or not, but he was in prison. He was awaiting execution. The next day, they were going to remove his head from his shoulders. 
So he received a note from a friend. And this note was just uh, kind of a garbled message. Oh, Sir John, sorry you're in this situation. You know, wish you could have it. Maybe you should go and spend some time in prayer in the chapel where you're being held prisoner. And so he put down the note and he talked to one of the guards and said, you know, I, I'm being executed tomorrow. My friend encouraged me to go spend time in the, in the chapel in prayer. And so they took him to the chapel and Sir John was never seen again. On closer inspection of the note that he received, you look at it and again, the wording is rather awkward, it's rather wooden, but if you look at each piece of punctuation, every period, every colon, every comma, and if you look at the third letter after each bit of punctuation, it spells out a message, panel on east side of chapel slides. So Sir John went to the chapel, went to the east panel, slid it open, and made his escape. Listen, we all have needs. The windows, the doors, the ears, and the heart of heaven is wide open. Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may God grant you peace, now and forever. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you. And may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen.